0: Welcome to the Junk Refund Show, hosted by Alan J. Cook, founder of 1-800-JUNK-REFUND. Have you ever paid those expensive junk removal companies to take away some of your stuff, only to say to yourself, as their truck drives off down the street, some of that stuff wasn't junk? Did they try to sell it for you, and give you some money back? No. Well... Now there is a company that can do just that. Listen to our weekly junk refund show on BBS Radio TV to learn how one lady spent $375 on junk removal and got $3,200 back. 1-800 Junk Refund represents the next generation of junk removal. Learn how to not only save your money on junk removal, but how to get some money coming back plus purchase one of our radio vouchers during the show to save even more on your junk removal let's get the junk out of your home and out of your life now with your host alan j cook
1: hello Coming to you from the metropolis of Rockville, Maryland, North Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, Here just chilling out a little bit in my apartment before I hop in the truck, run over to the local county dump, throw a few things off the back, pick up my buddy Warren, and the two of us take off to Long Island, New York, where we will be cleaning out a house tomorrow. Um, I was raised in Utah. We get all kinds of weather out there, some of it crappy with multiple, multiple you know feet of snow. Down in the southern part, it's more of a desert climate. It can get 115 degrees in the afternoon. I've seen all kinds of weather. I don't really worry about forecasts, and I don't really watch the weather too much. I'm one of the guys in the mid-Atlantic area, one of the strange guys here that doesn't pay close attention to the weather forecast. Most people here can tell you what's going on and what's coming and what's not, et cetera. I have no idea what the weather's like in Long Island, New York. I haven't checked it. I haven't looked at it. I probably will as we take off and head up there. It'll be about a four-hour drive from where I am. But this lady came in, a wonderful lady, came in on, I think it was Sunday night, found us on the Internet, saw one of our specials for a house cleanout. We did a special for Labor Day where if you have a home or an office that you need to get cleaned out, it usually takes about four to six 12-foot box truckloads. That's like a, a truck you'd rent from Home Depot. It usually takes four to six of those to get a home cleaned out, unless it's a mansion or somebody's a hoarder or whatever. So we did a special making five truckloads, up to five truckloads available for Labor Day, For $1,973, that's because I entered the labor force in 1973 at the age of 15 when I went to work for a restaurant called Mr. Steak as a dishwasher. Um, I was, I think, a junior in high school when I did that. And so in honor of Labor Day and my entering the labor force, I made 15 vouchers available for $1,973. If you do the math, when you figure out that a 12-foot box truck is normally $695 and five of those is $3,475. When you make the same deal available from $1,973, you're giving people a 43% discount. And I made 15 of them available. We've sold 14 of them. And the last one we sold was Sunday night to this lady up in Long Island who has a, 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 a basement and a main level. The home has been sold. She needs to get the stuff cleaned out. The people who bought the home I don't know if it's an investment group or some individuals that bought it, but their deal was you can leave the stuff in there if you want and we'll take care of it you know, when we come. I don't know if they're going to tear the home down and rebuild or something. I don't know. But the lady wants the peace of mind that the stuff that's in her house doesn't just get trashed and that somebody who actually cares about the stuff gets to go through it. So she went on our link on our website, which is one 800 dot com forward slash labor day, and I think there's a dash in between labor and day, and she bought one of those deals and called me four hours ago, five hours ago, sometime this morning, and said, hey, can you, we knew she needed it done probably this week. She said, can you come up and do it tomorrow? And I said, you know what? We can. That's unusual, but this week we can. So my buddy Warren, who has helped our company for about 20 years, he's getting his stuff packed up. I'm getting my stuff packed up after the show, and we take off for Long Island, New York. I was in Boston last week, as you know, because I did the show from Boston last Thursday and had a great time up there. The new adventure will be in Long Island. I always These, these are always kind of fun. I, am, I never, never really know what I'm getting myself into because I haven't seen the house and I haven't seen what's there. But I've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of homes and apartments and condos over the years. Nothing really surprises me anymore. But there's always some kind of interesting thing that you don't expect that just makes it a big adventure. And as people who have listened to this show know, I am a big fan of making life an adventure. So I also like to travel. And so this show today is going to talk a little bit about you how – and I think I've done one of these in the, in the last six months – uh, on bbs radio which i'm a big fan of here with don and doug Newsom, the founders and our producers but i think i've done a show on travel and the benefits of travel but i have to just reiterate some of this and i'm going to tell you today um about a trip that i took when i went around the world when i was 21 and i'm also going to tell you about some traveling i'll be doing the next couple of weeks and how much fun it is some people hate to just leave home in a car, or a boat, or a plane, or a train, and travel. They would rather just stay home and not have to pack their bags and go travel. And I respect that. I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum from that. For me, traveling is an adventure. I get to meet new people. I get to see new places. I get to experience new stuff. And that makes me, in my opinion, a more well-rounded, experienced person. I've been to Boston many times, but I learned some new stuff when I was there last week. Um, Long Island. I've done jobs on Long Island before. And uh, we're taking a big truck up this time, and i got my buddy coming with me, and so we should have a really good time. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, If there's a big bunch of crappy weather up there, then we'll just have to deal with it and figure out plan B. But if we can get up there tonight... And uh, grab a hotel using my hotel points for Wyndham, which I'm a big fan of. Then we won't have any hotel cost, and it's just the gas to get up there and back. And it's only about half as far driving as it would have been to go to Boston. I flew to Boston last week, and it was great. This one, I'm just going to drive up, take up a big truck, take my friend with me, and just go have an adventure, and I won't have to do all the work like I did last week. I think if if you want to see what the Boston adventure was like, go to YouTube, go to my channel on YouTube, 1-800-JUNK-REFUND, and just watch the, the video about a boatload of boxes in Boston, I think is what I called it, and you'll get a sense of what the adventure was like. So I'm kind of excited about this. We will probably... You know do put a bunch of stuff in the in the truck that can be donated. We will put a bunch of stuff in the truck that is metal or wire that could be recycled. We will probably load this this is a sixteen foot truck we 're taking up, so we will probably load it up with a bunch of junk towards the end and probably bring it back down to Montgomery County and dump it down here because I know the folks over at the dump, and the rates are probably lower and et cetera. And we'll also bring back with us any stuff that we think we might want to sell. But I can't make that determination until I see all the stuff, and I won't see all the stuff till tomorrow morning. But needless to say, we have a lady in Long Island who's very excited about having us come up and do this job for her. We will not charge her any travel expense. Um, she could hire a local company, and she wouldn't have to pay any travel expense that way. So to be competitive when you go out of town... I don't charge people travel expense or hotel expense. I stay in the hotels for free anyway, and I fly cheap, which brings me to part two of this show, Flying Cheap. I've talked about this in the past. You probably won't believe me when I tell you this, but honest to God, this is true. About uh, almost um, eight or nine months ago, my brother, Ron, told me about a deal that Frontier Airlines was doing, and because I have a lot of family in Utah and because I live in Washington, D.C., I fly on Frontier a lot because they serve a Salt Lake City. I always go through Denver, Frontier, and they have cheap fares. They're like Spirit Airlines. They have cheap fares. If you're going to take three or four bags with you, you're in trouble, but if you're going to travel light like I do, Frontier and Spirit have some really cheap fares, so I would fly on Frontier and nobody, this goes back five or six years maybe now, something like that, nobody on the plane, off the plane when they heard the term Frontier Airlines had anything positive to say. Everybody hated Frontier for some reason. I put up with some of the crap um, because, not that there was crap, by the way, but some of the perceived crap, I guess is a good way to say it. But I put up with it because it was cheap to fly to Utah and I had family out there. So I'm fine. I'm I'm okay doing that. It wasn't they weren't the most comfortable seats. You have to pay for snacks and whatever, you know, and but I was I just got accustomed to that. Well then after going back and forth across the cross country a few times, all of a sudden I'd accumulated twenty thousand miles and they made me an elite member. Elite members get to upgrade their seats for free, get to sit on the exit row with the nice soft padded seats that recline, doesn't charge extra, everybody else has to pay 50 bucks. Plus, we get to board the plane first. Many times, I've been the first person to get on the plane. I go back to 13C, usually where I sit, and then I tell the flight attendant, okay, let's go, you know, jokingly. And I know some of these flight attendants now because I've seen them so often. But the reason I give you this background is my brother Ron called and said, hey, Frontier's doing this thing called a Go Wild Pass where you pay a fee and you get to fly free for a year. And I went, tell me more. The, the regular price of this pass when they started out was supposed to be two grand. So the introductory offer was $599. And I went, you know what, I fly enough both to go see family, to do business, to do personal stuff. I'll probably recoup that pretty quick. So I went ahead and bought the pass. That was back in, I think, February or March of this year. The pass doesn't really start until May 3rd of this year, um, of 2023. And I, I bought it a few months early. Well, they came in in April and they said, okay, you guys that bought the pass, you can go in and book some flights for the next month. The normal deal is that you book your flight 24 hours in advance. That's one of the trade-offs. You can't really plan a trip three weeks in advance. And if you book a flight to go to Orlando, you can't just at the same time book your return flight. You book that one 24 hours in advance. So what if the flights are all full and you can't get out of Orlando? That's the trade-off that you play with. But I've used this now for eight months, something like that. I've never been stuck anywhere. I've always been able to get good fares, which brings me to Part B, which I was in Part 2 when I was talking about earlier. I am going uh, out to Utah on Monday morning, and I will fly at 7 o'clock from Washington-Reagan to Denver. I'll have a layover in Denver of, I don't know, two or three hours, something like that, maybe longer. I can't remember for sure. Um, but then I fly into Salt Lake. And I get there, and uh, my 93-year-old mother is living in Salt Lake now. So I'm going out to see her. I'm also going out to visit – oh, no, excuse me. I got ahead of myself. I'm going to Seattle on Monday. That's where I'm going. On Monday, I'm flying to Denver and then on to Seattle. Now, again, I'm in Washington, D.C. We'll come back to the Utah thing in a second. You Washington DC to Seattle and back. I'm going to Seattle and then I'm renting a car and I'm driving back east about three, three hours to go to one of our church temples. It's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. And if you know anything about that church, we build a lot of temples, which are different than meeting houses. These are bigger, more elaborate. We spare no expense and. You don't go to these temples on Sunday. You go to these like Tuesday through Saturday, and you basically do sacraments or ordinances, we'll call them, for relatives that have passed away, uh, for yourself and family members, stuff like that. Uh, take a whole show to explain that to you. But anyway, I uh, we have uh, in the United States about 85 of these. It is the most sacred place you can go as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We have about 320 of these around the world, with about 130 of those announced or under construction, and about 180 of them operating. These are majestic buildings. If you want to see something spectacular, go Google the San Diego Temple Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or Tijuana, Mexico Temple of our church, or if you want to see something that's you probably have seen before, Google the Washington D.C. Temple or the Salt Lake City, Utah Temple, and you'll see these magnificent buildings. They are spectacular, and they're we we build them all the time, and we're going to keep building them all the time. So my point is, back in January of 2017, in my religion, the best thing you can do to find kind of it's a kind of our mecca, so to speak. It's the it's the spiritual place you go to be rejuvenated, right, is to go to a temple. So I set a goal back in January of 2017 to go to the temple twice a month, and ideally, just to make it fun, make it different temples. Well, six and a half years later, seven years later now, I guess it is, um, and two years off when they were all closed because of COVID, I have been to 84. Four of the 85 temples in the United States that we have. And the reason I'm going to Moses Lake, Washington, is because it's one of the newest ones we just built, and I haven't been there. So this is my little spiritual trek to go rejuvenate myself spiritually. It happened, there are three of them I haven't been to Um, Moses Lake, Washington, which just was completed and we call it dedicated and put into service only a couple of months ago. There's one in Bentonville, Arkansas that was put in online the same time the one in Washington was. And then they just completed one in Orem, Utah, which is where I'm from originally. And I'll be going to the Orem one next week. So on Monday of next week, that is my take a day off and go have a spiritual rejuvenation experience. But for me, the adventuresome guy, I'm going to fly across the country to go do it. So back to the airfare. The reason this all works is because when I go in as a Go Wild Pass member on Frontier, and I go in to book my flight, I get three numbers that come up when I tell them what city I want to depart from and what city I want to arrive in and when I want to do it. The, the, first, the first fare is the full fare fare, and it'll so, you know, show some price of, so let's say, 400 bucks. The second fare is the Discount Den Fair, which I'm also a member of. That's a deal where you pay about 50 bucks a year And you get lower fares because they email you special offers and you can take advantage of those. And so it's a way to save some money for not spending too much money. But the third fare, which you only see, I think, if you are a Go Wild Pass member, is your fare where the airfare is one penny and the actual total fare just incorporates the taxes for the airports. So about two weeks ago, I went and. I I'm not sure how this works to be honest with you. Sometimes you can go in and pick out a fare and buy it a couple of weeks in advance. And the return trip. The rules are supposed to be only 24 hours in advance, but sometimes they're just available so you can buy them. So the bottom line, that long introduction is a lead up to the fact that on Monday I will fly to Seattle, rent a car, Drive over three hours back east towards Moses Lake, Washington. I'll use my points to stay in a hotel somewhere around there, uh, which will be free. The next morning, I will go in for a couple of hours to our temple there. I'll get to see the new temple, meet the people who are there working, etc. Quickly tell my story about how I go around the country and even around the world sometimes to do this kind of thing. And then I'll hop back in the car. I'll drive back three hours back to Seattle. I'll catch a flight I, either that night or the next morning. I think it's that night, Tuesday night, I think, I catch a flight, and I am. I go back to Denver. I am one of these crazy guys that doesn't mind spending the night in the Denver airport because I'll get in, I think, late Tuesday night, and the flight back to Washington doesn't leave till 7 a.m. Wednesday. I'll be back in Washington at noon on Wednesday. I actually have a junk removal job scheduled for 1 o'clock next Wednesday. You with me? So, the grand finale of this is that the round-trip airfare for that trip, and I'm not making this up, is $74. That's what I'm paying to fly all the way across the country and all the way back. 74 bucks. And if you haven't been on a Frontier Airlines plane lately, I'm here to tell you they're not 30 years old. These suckers are new, some of the best in the air, and you never worry about a frontier flight going down. I mean, it's not a mechanical failure. These, these babies are in great shape. But for $74, I am crisscrossing the country next week all the way from Washington, D.C. to Seattle and back. 74 bucks. okay? Now, that brings me to Salt Lake City. The, the next week on Monday, I, I remember my goal was two temples a month, right? The next week on Monday, I catch the same seven o'clock flight to Denver. Then a flight to Salt Lake City. I get in there. I go over to my sister's house, where my mother now stays. I stay with them. I go at two fifteen in the afternoon, uh, a week from Tuesday, to do some work in a brand new temple out there in Orem, Utah, which is where I was raised. I'm kind of excited to see. You know, it's like truly going back home. And at that night at seven o'clock or something, I catch the flight back to Denver. And then the same flight Wednesday morning gets me back to Washington, D.C. at noon, and I resume my normal life. And there you go. Moses Lake, Washington, and Salt Lake City, Utah, two temples visited in the month of January. That's my goal, and I would have hit my goal. And that's kind of exciting. So at that point, that's like a long introduction, but um, I'm going to come back and talk to you more about travel and how much fun it is and how to do it cheaply and how to get some of, the, some of the junk out of your life by traveling and just getting a refreshing, upbeat experience in your life that you'll look back on for the rest of your life. i got a few more. We'll talk about going around the world what that was like in a few minutes. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Junk Refund Show. We'll be back in a minute on bbsradio.com, and uh, we'll tell you some more about how to get the junk out of your life through traveling. <laughs>
0: Have you ever hired one of those expensive junk removal companies, then wondered what they did with the stuff, especially the good stuff? At 1-800-JUNK-REFUND, we junk the junk, recycle stuff like metal and wire, donate items and get you receipts, and put up for sale the good stuff, and if it sells, you get some money back. Cynthia paid $375 for junk removal and got $3,200 back. Would you like to know how she did it? Tune in to the Junk Refund Show with your host, Alan J. Cook, every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time to get the junk not only out of your home, but also out of your life. Now, see, that's
1: the voice that you should be listening to for an hour. That's, that's Don Newsom just telling you what it's like. And he has a great radio voice, as does his brother. They, 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 they sound alike. They really do. They have great radio voices. Um, we're talking about traveling and how it can be such a fun thing. I'm, I'm going to just tell you a couple of stories here. When I first got involved in this junk removal business maybe 15 to 20 years ago, I lived in a five-bedroom, three and a half bath house in North Potomac, Maryland that had a two-car garage. And I started by, you know, people had some china cabinets they want to get rid of, and I would go haul the stuff in a pickup truck. And I didn't have a store or a or a, a storage unit to store it in, and I would come back and I would put it in the garage. And pretty soon I had three, you know, china cabinets in our garage, which took up all the space. And I thought, well, you know, I don't want to throw them away, and I want to take them to a landfill and kind of big to donate to somebody. Hey, maybe I'll sell them because I used to be a stockbroker. So I put them up for sale and they sold. And I thought, "Hey, this is great. I get paid to take the junk away and then I get paid to sell it." But then I went back to my 9 years of selling for the Franklin Covey company and Stephen Covey's 7 Habits of Highly Effective People where one of those habits says think win-win. And I thought, "You know what's better than just making money off these china cabinets is to give some of that money back to the guy or the lady that hired me to haul the china cabinet away in the first place. Because now you're sharing the money, right? And they're going to talk to their friends, associates, family. Hey, this guy's junk guy sent me 120 bucks as a refund for the junk removal job that he did. And that's kind of how junk refund was born. But in keeping with this idea of travel, we cleaned out a house or a backyard one time, and we ended up, and I can't remember, I'm going to, I don't remember the name of the brand. Anybody who's been around sailing and small boats would know the name of this brand. I'm going to call it, you know, there was an aftershave called Sea Breeze when I was a kid in high school. It's, 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 I think it's sea something. It's a sailboat. That's about a 14 foot sailboat. And scouts will use these at scout camp to get their sailing merit badge. And I have been a scout master in the past with our church and I would go up to Pennsylvania for a week at scout camp and I would go out on the lake in these sailboats. And I would, my attitude was, you know, it's one thing to tell these kids to go do the work to get a merit badge, but it's a lot more fun if you just pretend like you're 12 again and you go get the merit badge too. And in in the scouting world you can be a star a life a boy scout i guess a star a life or an eagle and i made it to star and got about 10 merit badges you get 21 my son got 21 and plus and was an eagle scout but i didn't i didn't do that well with it so i kind of had this mild angst about gosh i kind of wish i was an eagle scout now So when I went to scout camp and I told these boys about a dozen of them, Hey, you guys need to go do these merit badges. I went off and did everything with them. And I went to the merit badge counselors and had them check me off too. And that way I kind of felt like, okay, I really, I really did do this. I just didn't do it in time. Right. Well, the sailing merit badge was one of those. And I took these kids out on these boats and just learned to sail. And it was a blast. So somebody had one of these in their garage or carport or something and I put it in the truck and I hauled it home. I go, now what do I do with it? Well, I put it up for sale on eBay and a guy bought it. um, I think, well, he bought it from New York and he may have even been on long Island, come to think of it. Um, And he came down in this very large van. As I remember, I guess it was 15 years ago or so. And we scrapped that baby on top of the van, as I remember. Um, And, he was so excited to come down. He drove four hours or something to come down and get this boat. And I said, tell me about why you did that. Why, what is it about this that's got you so excited? He said, well, I used to be a traveling salesman. And I would go out on the road a lot, and I liked being out on the road. And my wife had an accident a while ago and became a quadriplegic and she's wheelchair bound. And because of that, I can't go, well, I had to change jobs. I can't go out on the road anymore like I did when I was a traveling salesman. He said, but this opportunity gave me a chance to get out on the road again, drive down to Washington, D.C., buy this boat and take it back. And he said, but the real reason, the other reason too, is that I had one of these sailboats years ago that I restored with one of my grandsons and we had a great time restoring it and then going out and sailing on it. And he said, now I have another grandson and I got this boat so I could do it again with a second grandson. And he drove off happiest guy in town with a 14 foot sailboat somehow attached to the top of his vehicle. And I just looked at that, and I just thought, what a great story. What a happy guy who's, who loves to just get out and do a little bit of traveling and can't. Well, this gave him an excuse to do it, and it was just a little bit of a break for him to get out and relive some of the adventures he had earlier in his life when he was a traveling salesman. And he was so excited to restore this boat for his grandson, and with his grandson. Now, see, suppose we had taken that boat and just tossed it in the dump. Well, not a glamorous story. End of the boat's life, nobody gets to enjoy it. But because we put it up for sale, think of who benefits from this. I benefited because I got extra money from the sale, and I learned this story. The grandfather benefited because he got to get out on the road, relive his earlier life, and acquire something that he can use as a project for his grandson. The grandson benefited because he now gets to work on this boat with his grandpa and then go out and sail it on a lake somewhere up around New York. The lady who had us pick the thing up originally benefits because she gets a percentage of the price of the boat that I was paid when I sold it. Technically, the grandpa's wife benefits because when he gets back home, this guy's going to be energized, rejuvenated, and happier, frankly, and that's the kind of person you want helping you and taking care of you, right? The local county landfill benefited. They had, a, they had one less item that they had to spend money on to dispose of and put on their railroad cars and go out and burn it in Dickerson, Maryland, or wherever they're going to take it. Everybody wins. See, that's the beauty of what we try to do in our business. Is that everybody wins, and that's the way we like to have it done, and and that's kind of one of our one of our models, and that's one of the things that drives us to do what we do. So a couple hours from now, I hop in the truck and I take off to Long Island, New York, for another adventure, um, and it'll be an adventure, and I have no idea what'll happen, but I'll make a video of it. We'll post it on our YouTube channel, which is one junk refund. And go check out the videos that are there. Make sure you subscribe to our channel. Uh, Tell us if you like them. Tell us what you think. You'll see um, recommendations there and stories from people around the country that we've done jobs for, videos of of what they said about our services and stuff like that. But when I woke up this morning, I had no idea that I would be in Long Island tonight. You know, And it just worked out that that's going to work in that. I'm just the kind of person that that kind of, that's a new adventure for me. That's going to make this day more adventurous than some others. So anyway, I'm excited and uh, headed up to Long Island and see what we can do up there. I've told you about Trip Around the World, and I'm going to talk a little bit about writing books as well, and quick diversion here. Um, it has never been easier, in my opinion, in the history of the world to write a book than it is now. Um, I have written seven. I actually compiled the first one. Um, First one was done when I was a college student. My dad died when he was two days before his 48th birthday. And when he died, I had an older sister who was 20 and then nine other siblings going from ages 20 to one. And those younger kids didn't know their dad nearly as well as I did because I was the oldest son. And so For about 19 years, I got to hang around him and go help him do work after, you know, on weekends. He was a school teacher, so we'd go out on weekends and do landscaping jobs or carpentry jobs, just some part time work to make a few more bucks. And it was always fun to do that. And as the oldest boy, I got to go and do that with him. And so I got to know him pretty well. Some of my younger siblings didn't. So when my dad died, I decided to compile stories about him from people who knew him the best and put them all into a book and publish that book. And that's what I did. And I went and interviewed his siblings, uh, people on the faculty, the religion faculty. He was a religion teacher at Brigham Young University. And I went and interviewed some of them. I interviewed neighbors in a couple of different cities that, that I had grown up in places where we had lived. I even was doing some sales work in California, one summer, went to a church meeting there, of one of our local congregations, uh, introduced myself, you know, in the, the, the meeting when they invited me to, and simply stated my name. And a guy came up to me afterwards, and he said, did you say your name is Alan Cook? And I said, yes. And he said, I had a college roommate for two years named Alan Cook. He said, is that your dad? And we checked notes, and sure enough, It was my dad. Well, timing wise, it couldn't have been better because that night or either the next morning, we were leaving to go back to Utah to go back to school. Here I was in a congregation with a guy who'd been my dad's roommate for a couple of years. So I quickly said, Hey, can I interview you tonight? I'm writing a book about his life. Well, well, sure. So I went over to his house with a little tape recorder and interviewed him. And, um, transcribed it and that there's another chapter in my dad's book um it's very rare that you give a gift to somebody that means like a christmas gift and it means so much to them that they stay up all night reading it but my younger sister debbie did that when i gave my siblings a copy of this book and I can't tell you how gratifying it was to know that somebody cared enough about your gift that they stayed up all night reading it. Right. Well, that was book number one. I didn't really write that one. I compiled that one. But then I did a book, and these are all for sale on Amazon. These next six, I guess, actually. Um, I did a book called um, "How to Have Your Best Christmas Ever," where in the middle of a divorce and separation from a family and other stuff, I actually flipped it into one of my best Christmases ever, if not my best Christmas ever, and it's called How to Have Your Best Christmas Ever. That was the second book I wrote, self-published through Amazon. Um, they do a great job. I've written three church books about, we're big. If you've ever seen the Broadway play The Book of Mormon, you'll know that our church is big on missionary work and telling people about what we have and etc. Proselyting is a big part of what we do. And the members of the church are always encouraged to do that, but sometimes it's not as easy as you might think. And sometimes we probably do it in ways that are not as smooth as they could be. And I thought, you know what? We need, I need to just, I, I have such great experiences with this in natural ways of never making people feel uncomfortable. And there's always good things that happen. I, I need to write a book that kind of helps other people understand how they might want to consider doing this so that they can be more successful. And feel better about their efforts that they're putting out, stuff like that. So I wrote a book called How Great Shall Be My Joy. And I did two other follow up books to that, also called How Great Shall Be My Joy. And with a couple of little subtitles at the end that differentiated the three books. But then I wrote a book. I took my, when I was 21, I went around the world in 80 days. And I got that idea from the supervisor that supervised me when I was a, a missionary for our church in Missouri from the ages of 19 to 21. And back to the Book of Mormon Broadway play. I was one of those guys, right? And they assigned me to Missouri and the guy that supervised us for supervised me for two years gave me this idea to do this. And so I went out and did it with a couple of my buddies that were also missionaries at the time. So we came home from college. We worked for the summer and from September to December, we went around the world in 80 days. Now, people of my generation will remember the, the – the, I think it's Jules Verne book by the same title and the movie that uh, came out about it. And, it, and there's a play that's been done around the country that, about it. Somebody went and saw recently and loved it. Well, that just sounded like a great adventure to me. So the three of us um, decided to do that and contacted uh, Pan Am Airways, through a travel agent have found out that Pan Am had a deal where you buy for $1,200, you get 12 coupons to fly standby on this new jet called a 747. And the rules were simple. You start in one city, you've got 80 days to get back to that city, and you can't backtrack. You have to keep traveling the same direction. So we started in Provo, Utah, drove to Los Angeles, took our coupon books out, tore out our first coupon. And for a hundred bucks, we got booked standby to fly nonstop to London. And I think we flew over the North pole when we did that. Well, that was coupon number one. And I, and I we all kept journals of this experience. And so in an 80 day period of time, I went to 25 countries in 80 days and had the Adventure of a Lifetime is a 21-year-old college student, and I lived that adventure. Um, we had a guy who met us in Hyde Park in London, where it's a famous park where they have a thing called Speaker's Corner where you can stand up on a little soapbox and say whatever the heck you want to, uh, going back to the tradition of Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park, London, and we did that, and a guy came up and met us, and he had been a resident of London for many years. He had us over for tea like the next day and took us to Hampton Court and basically gave us a self-guided or a, a personal tour of Hampton Court and some of these wonderful places in London. And, you know, you can't plan that. It just happened. And you meet wonderful people like this who do some amazing things for you and just make you feel right at home. When you're the stranger in town and they're the one that knows where everything is. Well, that was coupon number one. I'm going to come back here um, for the last segment of the show. We'll take a break right now for about a minute. I'm going to come back, tell you more stories just off the top of my head because I have a boatload of them, of that trip around the world and what it's like to use travel to have an adventure. Um, It's a great way to get some of the junk out of your mind and out of your life. I'm here to tell you. Are you listening to the Junk Refund Show on BBS Radio? We'll be back in just a moment, and I'll tell you some exciting stories about going around the world when you're 21. See you in just a minute.
0: Have you ever hired one of those expensive junk removal companies, then wondered what they did with the stuff? Especially the good stuff. At 1-800-JUNK-REFUND, we junk the junk. Recycle stuff like metal and wire. Donate items and get you receipts. And put up for sale the good stuff. And if it sells, you get some money back. Cynthia paid $375 for junk removal and got $3,200 back. Would you like to know how she did it? Tune in to the Junk Refund Show with your host, Alan J. Cook. Every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time to get the junk not only out of your home, but also out of your life. Hey, welcome back to the Junk Refund
1: Show. I'm about to take you around the world in 20 minutes. I did it in 80 days when I was 21. Flew on Pan Am Airways on their around-the-world pass that they had. 1200 bucks for 12 tickets, 12 coupons. You tore them off, you, you fly standby, and on their 747 jets, which were kind of new at that time, there's a bunch of seats, and the odds of there being three extra seats for three college students to fly standby are pretty good. We actually bought $400 extra. We got four more coupons that allowed us to go to the South Pacific. So we started in Los, in Los Angeles, went straight to London, bought a Ur-Rail pass for a couple hundred bucks, And remember, you're a student, so you get to stay in youth hostels for cheap because everybody feels sorry for you because you're a student. You don't have any money, which is true. And for about six weeks, we went around Europe on the trains, and it was a great thing. We each had a big backpack, and you could tell we were tourists. We had sleeping bags and basic stuff in our backpacks. But we would hop on the trains, and we we would go to Copenhagen, Denmark, and we would see Our Lady's Church in Copenhagen. You Google that church because that is the church where the original Christus statue carved by Torvaldson is on display there. And they have carvings, I think life-size carvings, of the original 12 apostles there also. And that's just a historic church. And my grandmother on my mother's side came from Denmark. So I have some ties to Denmark. Well, you'd go to Copenhagen, you'd go around there for a day or two, and you'd have fun doing that. And then you'd go to sleep on the train. You'd take the train to Stockholm and kind of an overnight thing. They even had, they even have situations there. And those of you that traveled will know this where the train literally pulls onto a ferry and then crosses like the Baltic Sea or something, right? And then gets off the other side and just keeps going. I mean, that's just, We don't do that in Utah, okay? So it was just kind of a cool thing to do. But you basically go to sleep on the train. You go to a city, and then that night you go to sleep on the train, and you wake up the next day, and you're in another city. So we would go to Stockholm, Sweden, and we'd go around in Stockholm and see the famous jewels that are in the king's jewels, I'll call them, in Stockholm or something. And then we would um, hop back on the train at night, the the train seats fold down together. There's the seats that, you know, face each other, they fold towards each other and basically turn into a bed. We pull out our sleeping bags, and we now have a bed, so that's now our free hotel for the night. And we wake up the next morning, and we're in Oslo, Norway. And we go see, you know, um, Thor Heyerdahl's rafts. Um, I want to say Kontiki. I'm not sure that's the right name. Or Ra 2, I think, Kontiki 2 or something like that you know, rafts that were on a museum in, in Oslo. And we, we one night decided to spur, splurge. We got off in um, a beautiful place called, let me see if I can think of it real quick, but the Stalheim Hotel, if you want to have some fun, Google that place, S-T-A-L-H-E-I-M Hotel in Norway. It might be in Bergen, B-E-R-G-E-N, Norway. That hotel sits at the top of a fjord, of the cliffs overlooking a fjord. And when three of us, young college students, got off the bus with our backpacks to go stay in this exquisite hotel, you should have seen the look on the faces of the other people on the bus, right? So every once in a while, we would, you know, splurge, but most of the time we went cheap and spent six weeks on the trains going all over Europe. We took a cruise down the Rhine River. We took a cruise from Brindisi, Italy, over to Athens, Greece. We, uh, gosh, went down, to, we went down to Egypt. We went to Cairo and Luxor, Egypt. You want to have fun, negotiate the cab ride between you and 10 Arab cab drivers. I mean, those guys are great salespeople and great deal makers because they got to figure out a way to make money in the desert. And there aren't a lot of crops growing in the desert. There aren't a lot of things that you can export necessarily. But boy, are they good businessmen and deal makers. And we had a blast in Luxor and in Cairo. I remember one night in Luxor at the train station, we had to wait for a train to take us back up to Cairo. And the flies were so bad in the train station. This is like October of 1979. The flies were so bad as we lied down to try to get some rest that I took a napkin, a handkerchief, out of my backpack and literally laid it over my face. So as the flies walked on my face or tried to walk on my face, at least I had the napkin in between me and the flies. That's how bad it was, right, Um, at least that night. But we survived, right, and it made for a great adventure. Luxor is a fascinating place to go see the Valley of the Kings, the, the pyramids. I mean, I wrote, we rode camels around the pyramids of Egypt. And on the front of this book, if you go to Amazon and look up around the world in 88 days and 88 things I learned along the way, that's my book, and you'll see three of us on camels in front of the pyramids of Egypt. I'm the guy on the camel on the right. We had a fascinating experience. We went to Jerusalem. We uh, spent uh, a week in Jerusalem. I, I was a student at Brigham Young University. My dad taught on the religion faculty. One of his fellow faculty members was in charge of the study abroad program for that semester. And one of my buddies from high school just happened to be on that group or in that group. And I knew the director of the group because he was a friend of my dad's. Well, that guy allowed us, the three of us, to join his study abroad group for a week, and we went up into northern Israel and worked on a kibbutz propping up banana trees for a week. It was at that time that I met the girl that would later become my wife. How's that? Good thing I went around the world, huh? So it was just a fascinating thing. We, so we had a great time there, We went back up into Europe, and we woke up one day in Frankfurt, Germany, and my buddy Scott looked up at the sky, and he goes, ah, looks like a great day to go to India. Anybody want to go to India? Well, you tear off another coupon, and you fly from Frankfurt to New Delhi. And as you think about the globe and the planes that are going around the globe, if you keep that, you know, those planes need to keep moving. Someplace in the world... Planes have to land at about two thirty in the morning. Not all flights are going to land at a convenient time, right? Well, 1979, the planes landed at two thirty in the morning in New Delhi, India, and I'm here to tell you that place was hopping at two thirty in the morning. So we went to the Taj Mahal. We went to Agra. I, uh, you know, I saw the cobras being. Um, enchanted out of their baskets by guys there playing a, a clarinet or a flute or whatever. I mean, all of that. I've got photos in the book of that with an eight-foot yellow python around, wrapped around my neck. I mean, that's just great stuff. That's an adventure, right? And it was just fascinating. Um, we went from India to Bangkok, Thailand. We went on the Bangkok River. Um, these young kids would come out from the shores of the river, and tourists would be in these long, skinny, motorized canoes, is kind of the best way to describe it. And they would come up and ask if you would toss coins into the water. So we would, and the kids would go after them and and rescue the coins, you know, uh, as we threw them in the water. So we're on the Bangkok River. We went to a cobra snake farm and watched people milk King cobra, snakes, uh, and get the venom out of these cobras. It was fascinating stuff. We went to Buddhist temples and saw what they were like. Um, we went from Bangkok to Hong Kong. Um, I had a buddy who was still serving his church mission in Hong Kong. We walked into the office and surprised him and said hi to him. I remember riding the gondola over what I'm going to call the Hong Kong Harbor, to go to an amusement park there. We saw the the buildings that were being built and the scaffolding for those buildings, which was basically made out of bamboo in Hong Kong. And it was just fascinating stuff. From there, we flew to Hawaii. And then we took a little extension trip down into the South Pacific. And the first stop was we went from Hawaii to Auckland, New Zealand. And this is where I'm going to probably for the, the last few minutes of the show here, I'll tell you about one experience because this is one of the highlights of my life, one of the best days of my life. When you travel for three months with two other guys, you sometimes get tired of being around each other and you need a break. Well, when we got to New Zealand, we decided to split up for a day and I like to ride horseback and I kind of looked around and found that there was a ranch called the Double R Ranch that was not far south of where we were. I caught a bus, went down there, told the bus driver where I was going, and he eventually pulled the bus over and stopped and said, this is where you get off. And he pointed to a road on the left, and he said, take that road. Now, think about this. I'm 21 years old. I don't know a soul in New Zealand except my two traveling buddies, and they're back at the hotel doing their own thing. And I go out and start walking down this road towards a ranch that's supposed to be somewhere on this road. Now, that's an interesting situation. By yourself in New Zealand, walking on a road toward a ranch that you hope is there, should be there, and you're by yourself. And you just keep walking, and pretty soon you start to think, man, I hope, I hope this is the right road. I hope he dropped me off on the right road, right? Well, pretty soon a jeep comes driving towards me, and this guy stops in front of me in the Jeep. He says, can I help you, mate? I said, yeah, I'm looking for the double R Ranch. He said, I own it. What can I do for you? I said, I wanted to see if I could go horseback riding. Sure, he says, hop in, and I'll take you back. So I hop in the Jeep. He turns around, takes me back to this ranch, grabs his personal horse, saddles him up, puts me on the horse, and kind of opens up a gate. He says, this is, we'll call him Trigger, Trigger this is trigger. He knows where to go. He'll take you up the mountain, up the hill here to the top, and then do whatever you'd like to, and just let us know when you want to come back. You know, come on back. That was it. So it's me on horseback in New Zealand. Now, if you know much about New Zealand, they have a boatload of sheep. They have a boatload of ponds and lakes. They have a boatload of rolling green hills. And when you put those three things together and you're by yourself on horseback. You have just walked into what most people would call nirvana or heaven, you know, or Mecca or whatever you want to say it. This horse walked up kind of to the top of the trail, and all of a sudden I was on the plateau, and I looked to my left, and there's this tree maybe 500 yards off in the distance uh, on the other side of the plateau kind of thing. And I just pointed the horse towards that tree, kicked him in the ribs, and said, giddy up. And this horse just took off at a gallop. And headed for that tree. I went, we w- went over and arrived at that tree, this beautiful scenery in New Zealand, the wind blowing through my hair. And it was like you couldn't drag me out of that place, you know, with a Black Hawk helicopter, you couldn't have dragged me out of that place. I turned the horse around, pointed him back to where we started, and said, giddy up. And we went back and we went back and forth across that plateau, probably three or four times. In this beautiful sunny day in New Zealand. And I will never forget the feeling and I will never forget how I felt. I felt like that day that I owned the world, that it was mine, and that I could do anything I wanted, and that anything was possible. And life was an adventure, and I was living it full force that day. And here I was on the ranch owner's personal horse with that horse galloping back and forth across the top of the plateau, looking at this gorgeous New Zealand you know, scenery and just saying to myself, it doesn't get any better than this. How could it possibly be better than this? Now, that experience happened about 44 years ago. And I still can relive it in my mind without reading it in my my book and my journal and stuff. I can still relive it in my mind because I was there and it was such a powerful wonderful experience. We went from New Zealand to Sydney, Australia and Elton John of all people was doing a 3-day tour in their 3-day 3 concerts in Sydney and this was night number 3 and there were tickets available and we bought a ticket for and I'm not making this up, $13.50. And we went to an Elton John concert in Sydney, Australia that night. And this guy came out on stage dressed in pink pajamas. When I was a 12 year old kid, it was 1970. And that's when Elton John introduced his song called Your Song. And I thought that was such a great song that I used to, I used to listen to it on my eight track stereo player in my bedroom. And then kind of run down the hallway to the piano and try to find the same chord that I just heard Elton play on this song. And I learned to play your song by ear, and I can still play it. And here I was at age 21 in Sydney, Australia, listening to one of my heroes, one of my musical heroes, playing a song that I had learned to play myself as a kid. Do you have any idea how fun that was for $13.50? Well, if you want to have more adventures and see what it was like to go around the world in 80 days, pick up a copy of the book, put it on Kindle, or order the paperback book or something, called Around the World in, 80 Days, in 88 Days and 88 Things I Learned Along the Way. That's, a, that's my journal uploaded and turned into a book. And uh, the, the, the last book I wrote was for my mother three years ago when she turned 90. I, I basically compiled it, interviewed a bunch of people, had them send me stories about experiences they'd had with my mom, and gave it to her for her 90th birthday which is on December 13th. She'll be 94 this December, and uh, she's just a gem. And I'll be seeing her in about two weeks. My flight to go to Salt Lake and back in two weeks was only $64. Seattle was 74 Salt Lake is 64 round trip. And I'm just having a blast, having a ball with it. My sisters told me, When my mother was there, they had a, It's in the the winter time in Utah, it's December, they still had a big gathering out in her driveway with a cake and some other stuff on a big table. She said, she said, mom's here having the time of her life. She will not let go of your book. She's got her book, your book under her arm. And a lot of these people who went to that party had contributed to the book and it's self-publishing the book. I remember the very first one that I did with Amazon, the Christmas book, I think total cost was like $13 before I had the draft copy of the book on my doorstep. $13, you know, simple. And it's just a, a, I think it's called create space. I think that's what it's called, a subsidiary of Amazon where you can write a book and upload it and whammo They print it and off you go. So, anyway, I hope you get the message. I think you do through this that life is fabulous. Travel can be a great part of your life if you like to travel. It's always an adventure, and there's always something to learn. And an hour from now, I take off north to Long Island, New York to have another adventure, and we'll film this one as well and put it up on our YouTube channel, 1-800-Junk Refund. And check out the videos if you like them subscribe to the channel. You'll see what our adventures are like and you'll understand even better. We'll basically take you along with us as we go. One of the beauties of technology. It's just fabulous. Anyway, there's a few thoughts about how to get the junk out of your life by traveling. And I'm very excited to just grab a few things here in my apartment and then hop back in the truck, hit the dump real quick, go pick up my buddy Warren and off we go up I-95 towards Long Island, New York to clean out a house tomorrow. We'll tell you all about it and uh, very excited about it. And remember, if you call into the show, call in during the show and you're in the Washington, D.C. area, leave your name and number with our producer, Don, and we will give you a voucher for $79. bucks. we will send you a link. You can buy a voucher for 79 bucks to do a pickup truck of junk removal that's normally $229. It's been fun. I always love Thursdays at three. Come join us next week on the Junk Refund Show or look us up on podcasts and listen to any episode. I think you'll have a good time. Remember, it's not only about getting the junk out of your living room and your garage. It's also about getting the junk out of your life. Traveling can help you do that. Have a great week. We'll see you next week on the Junk Refund Show.
0: Thank you for listening to The Junk Refund Show, the longest-running junk removal radio show on the air. Join us next week as we discuss innovative ways to declutter your home, your business, and your life using 20 years of junk removal experience. Find out why we give out free ice cream gift cards to our clients, too, in upcoming shows... We will explore how to get the junk out of your relationships, your spiritual life, your waistline, even your travel life. Plus, call in with questions and situations you would like some help with. At 1-800-JUNK-REFUND, we are committed to bringing the next generation of junk removal because not all junk is junk. See you next week on the Junk Refund Show every Thursday afternoons at 3 p.m. Eastern Time right here on BBS Radio TV.